Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by ship anthropologist Darren Moser. Now, Darren, I, I hear you're building a new holographic duck blind on some primitive planet we're orbiting. Do you think you'll be able to keep this one secret? Oh, yeah, it's totally going to be secret. I mean, we are basically building a giant tower in the middle of their city, and then we're just going to make it look like a giant redwood tree. And the holodeck's going to work perfect all the time. I mean, I guess it would be catastrophic if the you know the the hologram went away but you know could we really literally be in the center of town but i mean what what's the worst that could happen all right sounds like you're you're continuing the proud tradition all right i'm also joined by assistant tactical officer lieutenant daniel prue now daniel i heard you had the honor of having a very special tea ceremony with war how did that go i did in fact uh and from what i hear it's good tea now is that assistant to the tactical officer? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know he has like in the T. It actually says best tactical officer ever. <laughs> All right. Well, for those who won't be able to tell by anything by that introduction, um, we're actually going to topic uh, tackle a topic that uh, we actually surprisingly haven't done in you know a hundred and episodes <laughs> later here in Earl Grey. Um, but we're going to be talking uh, religion in the next generation, which I guess sounds controversial, but considering we've talked about a whole episode about sex. I don't know how controversial it'll be here on Earl Grey. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a topic that's been talked about a lot in the fandom. Um, so I guess it seems kind of obvious for us to talk about it. At least check it off our list. Um, I mean, it, there's a reason, of course, why um, uh, a board game came before talking about religion. Right? But <laughs> Several board games, we, in fact. We, we get to it eventually here. Um, and so I don't know. Uh, we'll necessarily talk, uh, you know, bring up anything new, but we'll at least focus on next generation and what it did. And and really, the more I thought about this topic, and, and hopefully we'll get into this. Um, I, you know, I feel like religion is, is very tight, a very focused word, and maybe it just needs to be a little bit more broader as we go on. Because um, I almost started thinking about just like you know the way of a culture's life, and as we talk about these different alien species, so. If if you feel like I'm I'm not necessarily focusing on religion to be a little bit bit, bit more broader, I'm already telling you in advance I will be cheating. So um, I thought what we'd focus on first is just basically our crew um, of the Enterprise D, um, specifically what their religion slash beliefs um, are. And as I was kind of making my little list of everyone. The the person who kind of jumps out the most about the most active, um, and you know words are just going to be weird this episode, but spiritual life, religious life, whatever we want word you want to use was Worf. Hmm. Like we seem to get the most from Worf. Um, and I'll just do some quick things that I thought about. Um, you know, in uh, um, actually I forget the name of the episode, but basically the one with Kalas. Um, you know, Worf talks about when he was a young boy, he went to some uh. 
Klingon colony where he had this sort of religious vision or experience, you know, gazing into the fire. And um, in this episode of, of when he sort of quote unquote discovers Kales, uh, he, he uh, sort of has that same thing of where he's sort of meditating in the fire. Um, um, but with Worf, you know, I don't know if Klingon religion is necessarily the right concept or phrase, but uh, Worf certainly has this very rich um, cultural belief life. You know, it's not just the code of honor, not the episode, because we don't talk about that, but just like his what he believes, the ways of the warrior, the rituals he performs, whether it's ritual suicide or tea ceremonies, or all these different things. So, uh, you know, uh, Darren, when it comes to Worf, what do you think we kind of saw about, you know, what, what he believes and what guides him? Yeah, I mean, Worf is a great character to start off with because he he himself has, just short of Klingon Jesus, he has the most impact and connection with Klingon spirituality than any Klingon we see. He discovers Kalis. He, you know is responsible for appointing him the uh what's it not the chancellor but he becomes, he becomes the, the emperor the emperor yes the figurehead emperor and he just i don't know he he's so not religious but he's so into the doctrine of the klingon mantra i guess there's a bunch of scrabble words but you know he's just an interesting character to follow because he's looking from the outside yet he's our lens to this this society yet he's not living in it he's never lived in klingon society he's only lived through textbooks and what you know his parents told him which can't be the whole thing but he takes it very seriously and i mean his wedding was very traditional klingon uh, darren we, we don't we don't i mean we didn't we didn't <laughs> it, well it, because of that tradition the wedding party had to be so small I think that's that's part on the it's the in the eighth book of Kalis it says thou wedding party must be a three members thus three three members per three is the number that five, they shall be sire. three is the number of counting and not two unless it is followed thus by three four if has counted to four and has counted too far eight is right out <laughs> but that's yeah funny. but no Worf. Gosh, he's, he, you could fill a whole book on just the way he interacts with his society. Uh, but I think, I, like you said, that episode where he discovers the clone of Kalis is probably the, the antithesis where he has a vision and it like comes to life. I mean, that's, and again, he's skeptical, but he still, he sees past the reality to what it could mean for his society which I think is and the best. A, and uh, hopefully one of y'all will Google this while I'm talking, but that episode blah, 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 <laughs> um, is, it is very interesting because as you said, Darren, that actually, and I might, you know, that's one maybe to rewatch because it is about the power of belief because as you said, he's questions it and he questions it so much that he figures, Oh, if like he figures it out, it's a, it's a lie. It's a clone. It's a genetic, but then Worf is also the one who says, you know what? The power of belief is more important than the facts. And that by making him an emperor, he can be a spiritual, against the wrong word, but a spiritual cultural leader for our empire that needs our beliefs to be strengthened. And so it's a very interesting dichotomy. And also, for those of you uh, uh, wanting to use New Testament analogy generators, Darren, if Kalas is uh, 
Klingon Jesus that does make war Klingon Mary Magdalene. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who first saw? Anyway, but we won't go. We'll let Metatrix do that. But Daniel, what, what do you think about Worf and sort of you know his you know and again I'm struggling for the right words, but hopefully you know what I'm saying. You know because he is the epitome of Klingon beliefs, whether they're the actual beliefs or what his version is, but. He certainly ha- seems to have a rich cultural, spiritual life. Okay, I found it. Uh, it, it is Rightful Heir. It is the 23, 23rd book of season six. The 23rd book of season six. Oh, boy. I believe there's probably certain things that you can conjecture from the conversation that we're going to have, uh, certain viewpoints that the, the, we have different ways of looking at this. Uh, certainly, the three of us do. Um, we're three different people with three different opinions, and it'll be interesting to see how this goes. That being said, a Worf, Worf's journey, uh, from what his understanding of Klingon culture, being a Klingon, you know, being a warrior is, is one of disillusionment. Uh, one of harsh reality kind of slapping him in the face, uh, as opposed to what he has kind of always idolized it to be. Right. So uh, he finally gets to kind of hang out with his Klingon buddies for the first time. And uh, then he gets discommendated and he finds out that not all of everybody is super awesome, honor filled, great warriors that lived for the, you know, there's corruption. Right. In the same way with Rightful Heir, he also learns that uh, there's just a bunch of people sitting on the side of a mountain, uh, you know, just kind of chilling there forever. And and then he finds out that they're worshiping this clone. This isn't real religion. This isn't real. Uh, what he expected, at least, I should say. And that's actually a really interesting journey for me. Because he's ultimately always confronted with the truth. And f- he finds his own way to accept that truth. Uh, and still kind of l- look, at this, look at this whole situation with, uh, I want to say... I don't know what the word I'm looking for. He, he, he accepts it and then still goes along with the, the good of the empire. Uh, whether it's, like I said, culturally, whether it's politically, now we're talking spiritually. And that's a kind of an interesting character arc. Uh, he, he, he kind of falls on the sword in a lot of ways. Uh, Batleth, Daniel. Batleth, sorry. He falls on the Batleth. Uh, in, a, in a lot of these episodes, uh, you know, he, he's a martyr in a lot of ways. Uh, First with his discommendation, then with this whole thing, and then, of course, continuing to Deep Space Nine. So it is actually a really interesting way of looking at uh, this topic with through Worf's eyes, anyways. Yeah, and, and I think about, again, this more talking about this episode, um, because you have Galron representing the state, or the, the, the civic religion, if you want to really get into this, I suppose. You know, and he's sort of like, you know, unmasked Kalas when he sort of beats them up, and like, ah, puh, this guy, am I right? Um, but then you sort of have the priest, and again, that might be the wrong word, who, the one who've made the clones, and, you know, it's just this very interesting mix of, like, what does the Empire need when maybe it, it has a strong political, well, I don't know at that time, but anyway, because you had the Civil War and Romulans and Turos and all that, but, you know, the, the need for the Klingon Empire to be strong again, not, you know, just in, in, in weapons, but in something else that, you know, whether if you want to call it civic religion or cultural beliefs that that will unite all the Klingons. Maybe that's just because they did fight a civil war. They needed something to rally around, other than like you know, conquering another species. See, now I want to see all those memes of the Klingon civil war, where it's like Galron and Worf, 
kind of like you had Cap and Iron Man, and they just talk about <laughs> dumb things like Gok is best served live, Gok is best served dead, Civil War. <laughs> just, <laughs> but we need like a hundred of those, and we just need them fighting for like uh, three fourths of the episode. Enough about so. Um, but and it's, of course, there's also an interesting parallel because uh, I talked about war. Yeah. Um, about him trying to, you know, drag his kid to church every Sunday. You know, trying to to teach or instruct Alexander in this, you know, code of honor or whatever you want to call it. And Alexander's having none of it. You know, of like, you know, I don't. You know, that's not what mom taught me. She didn't believe in any of your Klingon nonsense. Um, and so you sort of have that way of, of the, that can be in real life you know of, of how how children can decide or or how much you you uh let them instruct them in the sort of spiritual life um but that was sort of anything else about war because like i said he he's to me is sort of the easiest to go through and i and i think about and i can't remember which episode this is i remember there's a scene with Worf and picard where actually, i actually think there's two in two different episodes where the one I'm thinking of immediately is where, like, um, Picard's like, you know, it is. You know, I have X different species here in the Enterprise, and I try to let everyone, you know, um, you know, have their beliefs, and you know, God knows I'm probably not good at it. And Worf's like, no, sir, I've always been very respectful. But then there's another episode where it's a much more harsher conversation, where Picard's like, you know, you can have your spiritual beliefs, you know, to a point, and then when it interferes, you know, that's when I. Sort I think of that's draw around the one where he wants to commit. You know, oh, ethics. At, yeah, I think that's where, one where he wants to kill himself. I think that's mm-hmm. where he's like, uh, yeah, it's this is. Is either is either that or is it the one where he where where Kalar dies and he wants to seek revenge? Oh, killed killed Uros. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, uh, you can't do that. And he's like, well, too bad, I already did. Yeah, better to uh, uh, you know. Ask for forgiveness. Ask forgiveness and permission. <laughs> That's for the Federation people. way. Bend that, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, bend that prime directive as much as you can. Bend it like Beckham. <laughs> um, the next person I thought about, and this is just me, was Data. And I know that seems like very odd to bring up in the context of religion. You think like, well, that'd be like the last person I would think of. But Data, because he's on this quest for humanity, as a Q would call it, he certainly has a very he's very existentialist about, you know, what is the nature of things? What is the nature of his existence? And, and of course, he gets a very uh, literal interpretation when he meets his creator and brothers. Um, but, uh, you know, there's times when he reflects on his mortality, that that actually makes him feel good, that he knows that he... I think that's actually from, of all things, um, you know, everyone's favorite two-parter in the 19th century. But Data, I think, actually actually says, if I'm not mistaken, he tells Jordy that it actually feels good that he knows he'll die. That makes him feel more human. Um, but, I mean, Daniel, did you ever find Data to be very, you know, uh, probing into sort of the more metaphysical, even though he, of course, is the most logical, or, or if that's the right word, of them all? That's a tough question for me. Um Again, you know, revealing my bias, revealing my opinion, how I kind of, the lens that I view it through. I would never have placed those questions in the realm of religious or spiritual questions. Uh, I mean, I would say that they're philosophical questions, certainly. Um, The way that Data views Soong, the the way that he views himself, the way that he views humanity. Obviously, these are very deep 
very philosophical questions uh, about humanity, um, which Star Trek does very well. Um, I think there are many elements of what you would call religion or, or spirituality missing from that. Um, and I think done intentionally. Uh, so I, I don't think you can conflate those two. I think if you're doing that, you're kind of doing a disservice to what the data character is trying to come across. But I, I can also see why you might think that. Um, but it never, ever came to me. It never, uh, never, ever came across as to me as a, like a religious journey for data. It's, it's more of a, it's almost more of a, a self-reflection kind of a journey. It's, it's a personal journey. It's more of a, a deeply reflective kind of a thing that he goes through. To the journey. Oh. Um, <laughs> like, you know, cause he has that very literal, you know, and, and how many of us get this uh, opportunity? Um, well, I suppose you'd ask your parents, but um, you know, like, uh, why why did you create me i mean because this is a much more uh, larger question um you know sort of the v'ger motion picture question all over again you know the creator you know wishes to merge um you know and he, and we get the very very cool i think i, I love the, the the soon analogy of you know or the, the the parable if you will of um you know him telling about old things and new things and the nature of immortality what about you, Darren? Did you ever get any sort of metaphysical uh, questions from Mr. Data? Well, I mean, when he's not partaking in Shakespeare and he's not forgetting who he is and rediscovering it, you know, yeah, Data, again, because Data is our, is our most prominent lens on humanity. I mean, that's what most of the episodes that he's in are about, rather than you know that and awesome time travel adventures with mark twain but you know you're hurting me you're hurting me <laughs> but when i think the the best moments for data are the subtlest where he'll say something um and i, I and again i know it doesn't have to do with religion but again I, I keep being drawn back to the moment in the measure of a man where he's asking picard why all crew members don't have their eyes removed, you know, like, like Jordy. And just that moment where I guess this is the tone I'm speaking of is when Picard makes that realization. And he's just like, that'll be all data. And he just realizes, Oh man, data just dropped some knowledge on me. And I'm just, I am so in the wrong. And, or, or a similar one where he goes to Picard and says, I'm just wondering why you haven't given me a ship yet <laughs> because everyone else has one. He's like, oh, I think the Sutherland could use a captain. Get out. <laughs> and I th- those moments, I think when they come about and discussing the human condition and discussing, you know, love and why we make decisions and who we are as a person, I mean, those are all very, you know, what is the star that data follows? You know, not second star to the right, but, you know, with the fact that he emulates so much of his personality and his decisions off of the Starfleet personnel that found him. What if a Klingon ship had found him? You know, he would he be serving on board, you know, headbutting lieutenants left and right? I think he could do well on a Klingon ship. But all that to say, I think, like I said, it's those subtle moments with Data where you really get thinking. Yeah. And then, and put Picard aside for a second here, and, and I sort of struggled to have any kind of uh, thing shown with any of the other characters. Now, let it be noted, of course, that so far, the two we have talked about are aliens. We have a Klingon and an android, uh, even though a very human android. 
Um, but uh, when it comes to uh, you know Riker, LaForge, Troy, who I know is half alien, um, or Crusher or Crushers, if you prefer, um, you know I couldn't really think of anything. Um, which is that probably because there's nothing there. But did you, is there anything you all think any of those characters have as far as any references to either themselves or their family or anything else? Uh, I would say Ro in, oh uh, gosh, I'm, the last, the next phase, is that the yep, one? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Where she's having to confront her own, thinking she's dead and she starts quoting all these things that she read about as a little girl that she never really believed. And then of course Data or sorry, Jordy drops some knowledge. He's like, wait, so I'm a blind ghost in my uniform. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But I think even though Ro doesn't really go into that very often, I think it's probably the only time where she really talks. I mean, you get Kara, Kara probably, you know, nine out of 10, we'll talk about <laughs> the prophets, whereas Ro is like one out of 10. But in this episode, she's very shaken because she's like, I, from all I can tell, I'm dead, but what, what is this? I'm on the other side. What is going on? And what does that mean? And, you know, should I remember, have remembered more of the teachings of my people? So that I think is a, you know, as she's asking a lot of the questions, a lot of us ask, you know, we're not quite phased out of existence, but you know, this, we can, we can relate. Sure. And and Daniel, I, I know Ro is your character, and, and I'm trying to wait. So I can't I was... talk about Ro because <laughs> you can't. You, you've been canceled. <laughs> um, but but like you know, Daniel, I'm trying to think about Ro. Almost didn't list her because I, I, in my mind, I'm mixed about how much Bajoran religion was actually talked about in Next Gen. Because um, I'm feel like you know, like Deep Space Nine, obviously, but I'm like, did we actually like did, was the word prophet ever mentioned in TNG? Maybe it no. was, but I but I'm so. and then well, there's the Bajora, question. which is why yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> they didn't believe. Yeah. In the prophets, um, <laughs> the sphere builders is what they went by. <laughs> but but Daniel was uh, Ro. You know, not a lot of episodes. I know, but but certainly I know you thought about her. Is she um, cult? You know, and and I know you'll you'll know what I'm saying here. Is she culturally Bajoran um, in her beliefs, yes. or is oh, she? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that episode, uh, the next phase, is exactly about that. Um, she says. Uh, I was told these stories as a child. I never believed them. Uh, now I have, I'm literally confronted with a situation where I have to reevaluate them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm confronted with a situation that is, is beyond anything I understand. And I need to frame them in a context that I can deal with. And um, it's interesting. But, uh, you know, it, it fits really well into the Deep Space Nine Bajoran narrative. Um, I actually don't buy it for the Roe character. Um, I, I, I think Roe is more pragmatic than, than that. Although, of course, that is a, an extreme situation. So in, in extremes, people generally tend to kind of go to extremes. Uh, but I definitely find her more pragmatic than Kira. And she... But it is interesting to see her, her contrast between her and Jordy. And that was actually my, probably one of my favorite elements of, of the next phase. Uh, and her just kind of kind of letting go of everything she understands and accepting uh whatever she was told uh, you know as a younger person and then Jordy fighting against that being like wait a minute none of this makes sense and it was a really interesting part of that character and a part of that arc and i really enjoyed it um unfortunately I, to answer your question i think we get too little of it you know other than in the next phase and only briefly it's it's we it's we're just not told 
enough how much of importance it is to row. So, you know, it, it is, it's a cool kind of a, kind of a way to tie it into like the deep space nine kind of mythology as well. And, but it's, it, I don't know. We don't really delve into it enough, I would say. And is, and again, I don't want to put too much deep space nine into Rose's story, but like, for instance, I'm not saying, you know, obviously so she obviously wears the Bajoran earring. Now, is that a symbol of Bajoran faith or is, is that, I mean, in other words, like I know it's just Bajoran culture, which is, but I mean, literally is that earring a symbol of faith that she just wears because she's culturally Bajoran or because I mean that's sort of the infamous thing right in her first episode that's her fight her symbolic fight I get to wear my earring you know so 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 what is she holding on to there is that just um the 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 culture of Bajora um even though that is a symbol of faith or what is that do you think yeah I, I do I do I think it's it's essentially she's wearing like a cross necklace uh, or, for, or you know Hijab or, 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 or I, I was yeah, just yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I was I was contextualizing it in in Western society, American Western society. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm used to, you know, seeing. Yeah, it's it is. Um, I think for her, it is uh, a symbol of her culture, not a symbol of her religion. I don't think she particularly has any religion, um, and I think both before and after the next phase, uh, she. She has no religion, essentially. Um, I think before she just doesn't think about it. I think after she kind of has to maybe to reevaluate it, but it's never really addressed. So it's hard to kind of say where she's at. Uh, but yeah, I do. I think obviously she, I mean, quote unquote, what we would say, she identifies as a Bajora, right? She culturally identifies as that. But she goes to temple on the on the high Bajora. Right, 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 right. She goes but twi- then, twice you a know, year. <laughs> you know, right after she goes to temple, maybe she drinks a little spring wine and has some fun. You know, it's a, you know, but I'm teasing, of course. Uh, but she, yeah, she, she identifies with her people and it's a very strong cultural connection. I don't see her as a, like Kira is a very strong religious person. I don't see her that way at all. Not, not even a little bit. So, Darren, I'll give you a, one last row question. What would Rose orb experience be? Uh, what orb would it be? The orb of I told you so. No. Um, <laughs> I would say maybe the orb of time and not push her through time, but let her see how her past has really shaped her in a good way because she seems to really hate her past. But that could be interesting. Another, even though it's, it's really, really minor, but it made me think of um, Data's Day because you have a wedding in that. And while, you know, all weddings aren't necessarily religious, a lot of cultures, there is a lot built around it. But unfortunately, we don't really get a lot of subtext from that from uh, Keiko O'Brien, except for she's wearing kind of traditional, you know, Japanese type clothing. But that's it. There doesn't seem to be any other, you know, we get more from a, uh, Beta Z wedding, as far as tradition, than we really see well, in Data's Dead. We get less. Get less. From a yeah, Beta sorry. Zoe wedding. Right. Less a is lot more. less. But anyway, fact, I was you just... get nothing at all when you're wearing it. Um, but, yeah. So I can see. I mean, I see why they didn't because Star Trek's pretty much all about not talking about our religion. It's talking about alien religions. You know, we can make more commentary that way. But but it was just. Oh, I thought if they were to go somewhere, it would be in a wedding situation like that. And so then the last character uh, I want to look at is Picard, and we'll kind of move on to some um, aliens and featured characters. But uh, Daniel, two questions for Picard I want to ask you. 
one, you know, who watches the watches is your episode. You mean the Picard? That you, you, it's right that you enjoy, and so I know he has a lot to say there. Um, so that's something you know for 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 you to kind of expound on. Um, but my second one is that as captain of the Enterprise, he governs you know all these different cultures who have religious belief. How do you think? He did. You know, what, what's his role as captain in accommodating or, or did, I mean, that, that we saw, of course, I mean, you can make it up to if you want to, but those are my two Picard questions for you. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think Picard very squarely falls on one side of this of this argument. And I, I actually I don't think I mean, well, hey, you know, reach out to me. We can have a debate about it. But I do think Picard is very, very uh, he is one way about this, this whole thing. And he's he's made his feelings very clear on it. And it's not an ugly word. You can say, yeah, yeah, no, he is. I mean, he, I mean, he, and well, and he is uh, for a lot of TNG, he is a mouthpiece, excuse me. He is a mouthpiece for Roddenberry. So he's, he's very humanist. He's very secular. He, you know, and, and he has these strong feelings and it's great. And, but then you see the way he deals with things like Worf, like Darren mentioned earlier. And he deals with all of these. He's a person that has to deal with multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious people. And I think he does an amazing job. I really do. I mean, as this man who it's all, it also helps to me in my mind, canon wise, that he's an anthropologist, right? He understands that people or people or beings, however you want to say it. Archaeologists. S- yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, what I'm, well, you know, what I'm, archaeology, right, right. Jazzercisist, so you know, he's got- <laughs> he understands that, you know, that, that beings come from all walks of life. And he respects that up to a point, which is fair. But he, I think generally he's a really great leader in that respect and that he doesn't seem to judge anybody for that. Uh, he seems to let people do what they want as long as, you know, of course it's not affecting the crew in any, any negative way. Uh, I would say as, as far as like diversity and kind of inclusion goes, you're not going to get much better than Captain Picard. I, I can't, I mean, the only, he, he literally, he gave uh wharf not even detention just a written warning for murdering somebody on another ship and that was it because that was just part of his culture part of his religion part of his thing so you know he yeah he's i'd say he's pretty good at that kind of stuff <laughs> not not only not only just killing a guy he murdered the klingon presidential candidate yeah, exactly he is the manchurian candidate <laughs> oh lordy and though daniel i do have to quibble I don't think it was very tolerant of Picard to like throw away the God statue in generations. That was, he did not <laughs> care about those figures at all. Um, what, what about you, Darren, with Captain Picard about what his beliefs were? What, and was he ever challenged um, in those beliefs? Or maybe he wasn't. I'm always thinking of like Janeway. You know, she had that episode where she had to save Kess in season one or, or two, and she sort of had her very logical, scientific mind kind of challenged a little bit in that episode. I can't remember the title there. Um, but yeah, but Janeway also was really into finding out her spirit animal and Akujimoy and you know every other episode. But it's just her way of flirting. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, so we both hold this stone like with our hands together? No, no, Captain, we don't need. Oh, I I thought that's how it was done. But you can learn more about that on our sister podcast, To the Journey. To, to the, the journey. journey. But yeah, with Picard. The, the closest I can think of is when he is the Picard in Who Watches the Watchers, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about. But there's that speech he gives where he's very upset that, uh, from his point of view, that they that 
his that their presence is causing them to in his words like regress back into primitive superstition and paranoia like making decisions off of what the gods want and things like that and he i think at the heart of that speech is you know i look at it as focusing on what what religion can become in the hands of of people who are more about what it can do for them but it's but again yeah like i agree with daniel i mean picard isn't a religious man he again he is the mouthpiece for roddenberry and and the most of humanist you know of that lens but but he's also very tolerant and understanding of all the other cultures and i've seen other sci-fi shows do it a little more inclusive where they like babylon 5 i think had a great episode about religion where I don't, who was it? I think it was. They have several. I mean, they yeah. had um, the first. I, I know this isn't the Bible on Five podcast, but the first officer was a cultural Jew. However, when her father died, a rabbi came and asked why she never sh- sat shiva, and that was a very interesting episode. Um, and then you had one where because uh, the um, uh, there was some episode where like they introduced the aliens to all like human religion. That's that's the one I'm thinking yeah, of. Where season one? Yeah, it was it the was it um the which which alien was wanting to find out was it shikar's people i can't remember but like i remember commander sinclair is like this is an atheist and this right yeah there's basically it's supposed to feel like it's this line going on almost forever which was you know i think it was very poetic in showing that yeah earth is made up of many religions and it's i'm glad they weren't just showing oh and here's you know america's religions and here's you know no it, it showed all these types of people and i think that was very powerful so you know, as we're delving, or we're almost delving into like what we'd see in the next series, but, but no, but back to Picard, I think, you know, he also as the captain, even if he was a very religious man, even if he was like the Cisco or, or something along that line, I think he would keep it apart because he is the captain. He needs to be representative of the ship and of the Federation, not of his personal beliefs. And I think with Picard, um, he has, I don't know how to phrase this. I'll just say it and I'll probably, but he has a, a very heavy belief system when it comes to the prime directive. I mean, he holds its tenant very <laughs> sacred is probably the wrong word, but I'm going to use that word, you know, cause he holds it like up here, you know, and there's folks who, you know, on his crew are like, eh, I mean, I know it's a rule, whatever, you know, but he is sort of like, you know, this is a fundamental doctrine of who we are. You know the truth. So it's sort of yeah, and it's sort of interesting though. But of course, he struggles with it um, many times, of course. But uh, it's something that he sort of defends, believes very much in, um, and and you know fights to protect. And so I think that's a very interesting tenet of belief that at least we see from Captain Picard. Obviously, not a religion, but it certainly is whatever that is—a very strong part of his being that he puts a lot, invest a lot into. Um, so I thought we would move on to some aliens, because as we say, you know, if you want to see any religion in TNG, you're, you're pretty much going to see it with aliens. Um, and so I just kind of made a list. You guys can either choose them yourselves or I'll throw some at you. So, um, Daniel, I know an episode, another episode that you're, you're all about is Devil's Do. <laughs> um, 
What what is that episode? I mean, that's obviously. I mean, religion obviously is very I mean, part of that. Beklar. That's what we got. That's what we're talking about, right? Beklar. Beklar. <laughs> what, what 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 do we see there in, in that episode about religion, TNG? Uh, well, uh, again, I, I do think that Star Trek in general, I, I would argue very strongly, and w- this w- is not what we're going to do tonight, but I would argue that Star Trek in general, and TNG specifically, has a very strong stance on religion. And, um, again, w- we're bringing up Roddenberry, and I think this is where he was in his life. I mean, he, 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 he was, I feel like he was, you know, he was a, it was a journey for him from the 60s to the 80s, and, and, and he kind of cemented some feelings that he had had early on, and whatever. The, again, a whole nother topic, but uh, the version of, of Star Trek that we got in, in TNG, I feel, is a very secular society, uh, at least in Starfleet, this kind of thing. So we, we do explore spiritual, religious themes, which is great. Uh, and and fantastic but you know ultimately it's there there's an overlying message of how would you say it there's an overlying message of we have humans have kind of don't have religion anymore for whatever it's worth it's such as something that that doesn't exist anymore for humans um everybody we've talked about so far has been either at least half alien if not completely constructed out of parts and bits uh so you know it's it is interesting to go through and but see daniel that. i have parts and bits <laughs> if do you I not me <laughs> uh so you know and and this episode is very specifically just like who watches the watchers very specifically about the dangers uh, of religion um and you know maybe you don't take the same takeaway that i do out of tng but when you watch this episode, this is actually a warning of like the dangers of what does what does um, you know this kind of blind faith lead you to? What what can it lead you to? It's a warning of of hey, just make sure that you know what you're getting into, right? If you're going to sign a thousand year contract with the devil, maybe you should read the fine print at least, right? So uh, I do like it. It's it's just a warning tale, right? For all of uh, all of for human society like oh we can we can and i love that it's actually a positive message that's kind of what i really get from this episode is the fact that they're on trial the the deity quote unquote the deity the god in this episode takes credit for all of the positive changes that the society makes in this episode and it's kind of on like how can we prove that the society did this themselves and it's actually up to people to kind of make their world better and that's actually what I really take away from this episode. That's why I love this episode so much. It's like, no, 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 you did those things. You fixed uh, disease. You fixed poverty. You you fixed all of these things. So that's what I love about this episode. So that because the LeVar Burton, I mean, Jordy LaForge comes around and says, the power was yours. Oh, yours. <laughs> well, this episode makes me wonder, though, what does God need with a geopolitical climate? <laughs> <laughs> What, is, what does God need with the planet? The devil. With the Sorry. UN. What yeah, does yeah. the devil need with... You didn't answer the question. <laughs> but... Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, and, 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 and any thoughts on Ardra and the role the devil played? Yeah, no, just emulating what, what Daniel said, and it, it is a positive, and it is... It's interesting because it focuses everything into the character of Audra. It's not so much about her followers. I mean, they could have very easily 
focus the episode on a, a religious zealot group that is all about Audra, and they're like, no, she's the, you know, she's, we signed this contract, and we have to do it, and, and they're fighting, and, you know, that, that would have been more of, I guess, what actually probably would have happened, but instead, they focus it all on the character, and it's like, oh, well, what if she comes back herself, and we put her on trial, because we like putting things on trial, okay? It's it's really our bread and butter here on Earl Grey. So, you know, be it sentience or the devil or the drumhead. I mean, we just we like our uh our different our different times of trial. There are trials. Now Daniel, and I think rightly, um mentioned that, you know, Star Trek and uh, in, in at least the next generation, um, though perhaps all of it, um sort of says human religions go by the wayside. However, one episode where I think maybe that's the one exception is Journey's End, um, where you have the Native American planet, mm. and you have, um, and I don't remember anyone's names, I, I apologize, but the tribe that lives on this planet that are Native Americans, I, I know they have names, um, you know, and, I, and I, it's been a while since I've seen the episode, so I don't want to say, you know, make any stereotype, but, but I, I, you know, they, they certainly talk about the power of living on the planet um and and what it means to them to 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 be part of that land um and certainly you know and i know uh looking at you voyager uh star trek doesn't have a great uh reputation for explaining native american religious beliefs um in, in a very specific instead of just making a wide stereotype but anyway um i thought that was at least one that they threw out there because they especially talked you know with, with picard linking him to their ancestral beliefs about you know picard's ancestor and perhaps what that's calling Picard to do now. And so I thought that was at least one, you know, human example now is this just setting up Voyager and Chakotay, probably. But but uh Darren, what'd you what'd you think at least about that one instance of religion or spirituality or whatever word we're supposed to use? Yeah, I mean I think I'm looking it up right now and it unfortunately the specific as it gets is North American, you know, Native Americans. So it's not very so specific. Canadian? Could, could could be uh, I don't could be Inuit as far as we know, but yeah, it's 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 trying very hard to say something. Whether or not it succeeds, <laughs> that is the question. But now I think in this, which again, this has been a while since I've watched this episode since it's time. Yeah, and, and also let's let's you know the episode's also about like hey, it's the traveler and Wesley's a light ball and ba ba bum ba dum bum. That you didn't solve true. anything. You didn't solve the app. You just have Wesley going away as a light bulb. Anyway, go ahead. But yeah, it's it's interesting to say um, that you know it's like always. This always happens to Picard that he's put in these situations where he needs to make you know make a decision and try to have it be the right one. And I don't even remember what decision do they do. Do they not leave and they just try to share the planet? If I think, what, you know, because there's a fight at the end. Yeah. Wesley presses the pause button. Um, and I think actually the way it ends is that the, the Native American planet actually decides to be a Cardassian planet. Right. They're like, we'll live under Cardassian rule, but we're going to live here no matter what. Right. And I forget why the Cardassians agree to that, but for some reason they do. Yeah, they forego Federation citizenship and remain under Cardassian control. So, um, Daniel, anything to say about the the tribe in this planet? Mm, nope. 
Nope, okay. not not a whole lot to say there. Because one of them was secretly a traveler the whole time. Oh my god! And then suddenly Jimi Hendrix starts playing. Anyway, um, uh, you know, we talked about you know both between the 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 two of y'all and another episode. We just kind of talked about sort of great being. So I mean, we could talk about Hugh. I think we've kind of covered it. We could talk about Justice and the Edo and why not, but I feel like we've sort of covered that before. Um, I thought, you know, and Daniel, I'll, I'll pick on you again because you're apparently the, the master of all these episodes here. Um, uh, the Outcast. Um, because while, and you've seen it obviously much sooner than I have, um, I don't know if the word religion is used, but I know the word doctrine is used, which is just someone pulling out of the source. Um, yeah, very clever writers, I got it. And so, in that society, and I don't know if that's a theocracy, and I'm, you know, I'm using words very loosely here, or if that's just a heavy cultural of that society, but anyway, what would you say the role of doctrine in that episode is about? Uh, again, not uh, if you're going to use that as a, as a, as a uh, religious analogy, not painted well in that episode, right? It's... Uh, it's essentially the force uh, that Daniel. She's she, or or excuse me. That person seems very happy at the end. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. A very happy <laughs> yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's actually another. That's uh, a perfect example of of kind of uh, of how if you, if you want to take it as I mean, there are many layers to that episode, and if you're going to go with the religious the religious layer, it's it's just one of those times that it's like, I mean, it is villainous. It is it is in the wrong one hundred percent. It is harmful and hurtful and and painful uh, to the citizens. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, I, I actually, do, I'm, I read more into the culture of that society than they do mention the word doctrine. Uh, not as much as that one episode in Voyager with the, with I was the, thinking about uh, that with the dinosaurs, the space brontosaurus yeah. yeah. Um, but they do mention it. So, you know, you, you kind of have to go with it. Uh, it's actually it feels more culturally oppressive than religiously oppressive, although that those two kind of go hand in hand sometimes. Um, but it's you know it's another example of TNG like taking this like no 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 you know it's it, you cannot take this wide eyed view of everything and apply it broadly to everything. So you know I, I do again I, I would use that as an example of this show kind of showing how at least how we understand these concepts of religion and, and, and spirituality uh, can be harmful. Again, can. I'm, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible. Uh, and Daniel, first things first. There is no neutral zone, remember? <laughs> oh, no. oh, God. I forgot. I forgot. Uh, so, you know, it, it, but it is a good, it's actually a good episode to look at in this context. Again, because like I say, it's not explicitly stated that it's for religious reasons. And in fact, I didn't even take it take that away from it the last time i watched it i just saw it as like a cultural thing instead all right and darren anything to say about the outcast no just i think daniel covered covered all of that episode but it i i think what you said even though they're using terms like dogma and stuff there are many episodes of star trek that aren't necessarily religious but get into similar themes they're just it's not like this is a church and this is a bishop and this is a you steeple know. and when you open it those are the people <laughs> when you open the docking bay doors they're all that no 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 <laughs> well like for instance and you know and, and and this is a metatrex thing so well like you know to stick to earth buddhism right is that a religion you know 
you know, some people say yes, some people say no. A, a great line I heard, you know, not to make light of things, but I heard, you know, Buddhism thinks that their God is so great he doesn't even have to exist. Um, and so, you know, but that's why a lot of these things that we're talking about is, you know, religion. Am I necessarily talking about there is a great being and you will worship? No, I mean, it, 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 it's very wide. That's, that's why I, I think cultural and spiritual, whatever thesaurus you want to use, I think it's fine. So, but go ahead, Darren. No, that's that's what I was pretty much meaning, you know, that if there's it's not necessarily always a one to one comparison, but then again, that's the best sci fi. Mm. Okay. And so before we kind of wrap a bow on sort of the, the larger approach to TNG, is there any specific episodes or alien species or non alien species that I've sort of not mentioned that you feel like was sort of a attempt in good or bad ways to do religion and TNG? No, I think you covered all the bases. Uh, what I would just say, and one of the reasons who watches The Watchers is my favorite. One of my favorite episodes of TNG is because of how it handles this subject. Um, I do think it, fe- it, to me, it feels like the template. It is the groundwork. It's the, it's the constitution for how Star Trek handles religion. Um, and I actually believe that it, if you take that that way, it kind of does through the entire run of all of Star Trek, through Deep Space Nine. I mean, you can look at it through that lens. And I, I understand probably sometimes you're maybe a little stretching, maybe you're not. Um, again, this is my bias. Um, but Who Watches the Watchers, to me, it kind of really lays out how Star Trek views religion. You know, it's, it's not hostile to- towards it at all. Uh, it's just that, you know, Picard is confronted w- with this entire thing. And he's like, Ooh, the Picard. And, you know, he's like, no, I'm not worthy of being, wor- you know, worshipped. And, and, and no one is, essentially. And I, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I think that Star Trek handles it very beautifully in that episode. And, I, I, you know, it's, I do hope that we, we get to see this continued, this kind of, this kind of a reasoning. You know, like, again, even in Deep Space Nine, I, I, I feel like they handled it well. Uh, there are elements of religion, of course, because it's part of the human experience. There are elements of spirituality that we get to deal with. But on the uh, but on the other hand, there are parts of it that uh, have been essentially removed from the equation. And right, that's great, right? If we can remove the hate and the bigotry and the intolerance from all of this stuff, and and then just deal with the core of well, what is and what isn't. And I think Star Trek does that fantastically. And uh. I mean, these are, I don't know the answers. I mean, I, I, you know, I have obviously opinions, but just, I don't know the answers. Just turn the book upside down and, and tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have answers. I'm not, I am actually, believe it or not, I am not privy to the orb of religion or the orb <laughs> of spirituality. And as strong as I feel about it, as strong as you guys feel about it, I am, I don't know the answers and you don't. And, and that's what Star Trek is so amazing at, is kind of exploring these things in different ways. I see these episodes and I'm like, yeah, oh, I see that one from my point of view. And then I'm like, well, that that episode is kind of like, I can see it. I can see it from the other way. And it, and it kind of opens my eyes to it. So I really hope that just like every other issue, just not just religion, not just spirituality, not just politics, not just, you know, uh, society. I, I, I hope that we get to see all of these different aspects uh, in all of these different ways. Sure. And I will have to correct you, Daniel. Uh, it would not be the, as I drink from my We the People mug, it would not be the Constitution, <laughs> it would actually be the Declaration of Independence. Oh, because, fair enough. Because mistake, the Declaration Daniel. of Independence is about the principles, whereas the Constitution <laughs> is about the literal thing. 
Uh, but Darren, Daniel, you know, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, see that's the Constitution. You establish went, uh, justice and ensure. Dom- <laughs> I'm just wanting you to get points for knowing the preamble. That's that's now you're <laughs> you're just t- uh, reading from the TOS I'm not, episode, the I'm, Omega Glory. <laughs> I memorized that. Uh, Schoolhouse now, Rock Darren, totally taught that to me. We've completely forgotten your favorite episode, and I apologize. Please tell us what mask teaches us about religion. <laughs> Does it? I don't, um, it's maybe, about the uh, like the, the cultural, uh, the earth, true, of the sun and the moon gods. Maybe in an um, Aztec, Mayan, Incan kind of way, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. You can. But but are there any aliens or, or episodes you feel like I missed, or did, or did we at least hit most of them? I think. You know, if if some of our uh, the new show was to go into some of our more established alien races, I think it would be interesting to see if there was a spiritual side to Cardassians. Or, I mean, we know the Ferengi. I mean, they have their divine treasury, which is <laughs> interesting. But they have a lot of false prophets. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's. I think that's what I'd like to see more, though. Is is more exploring like the not 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 that we need like a whole episode, but just seed it throughout of how these other cultures are impacted and base it off of different religions, you know, of our planet. I mean, that would be really interesting to see. I mean, we already base the the species off of you know, different aspects of humanity, why not take it another step further? So I think there's just much more to come, hopefully, in this aspect of Star Trek. You know, just enough to, as Daniel said, reflect that part of the human condition. Um, and I really think there's probably a whole lot more to say, um, um, but we won't because there's not a lot of time left. But anyway, um, but uh, I, I will say, as I, as I thought about this topic, you know, I, there is a lot to say, and we said some of it, and I'm sure there's more that people will say. Um, and I'll just say two things, and I'll leave it to you all to do any any closing arguments. Though I feel like you both have have definitely made some good great points already. Um, I I think the more I reflected, I think if you rated each Star Trek series about how much religion or religious stories or spiritual stories are, I think Next Generation would actually be at the bottom. I feel like Deep Space Nine probably be number one. You know, yeah, obviously I suppose. Um, I think Voyager has a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. Neelix has a lot. Uh, Janeway's, you know, Alana. Whether you know, Blonde, I mean, I so I think Voyager would almost be two. TOS throws it in every now and then. Very, I mean, you would think, but I, you know, whether it's bread and circuses, um, whether it's, uh, you know, it's not a lot, but they just every now and then will poke it in there. I mean, of course, you have literal gods walking around, so I guess that's pretty much every other episode. Um, I would say maybe TNG and Enterprise are about the same and about how much they reference. I don't think Enterprise really gave a lot, um. Data, when Q asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> it's actually, you know, uh, it's so funny that you mentioned that. It's, and it's one of the reasons, one of the many myriad of reasons, actually, I love TNG the most, is is, is its take on this subject specifically. So, uh, yeah, if you rate them that way, it's it's a really interesting look. Yeah, and and, and the more I thought, thought about it, I mean, of course, you know, I, I think, Daniel, you've already said it better than I can about sort of where the Rodbury approaches the TNG um, and sort of that, you know, of course he said, not that he wrote every episode or, or did, but you know, once you sort of set the foundation, people, that's where people generally go from. Um, and so you sort of explained it and, you know, his belief of course was that uh, humans would outgrow religion and that's why we only get aliens that have 
any sort of religious belief. Um, I mean, and, and pretty much the only thing I would say is that, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting part of Star Trek, I, you know, that, that, that we can discuss and we'll always discuss, um, whether it's politics or sex or however else, you know, uh, um, Star Trek treats different subjects. Though I will say, I don't need to have a, a series that reinforces what I believe. I think, you know, it's, it's cool to have a series like, yeah, no, they, they don't touch on what I believe at all, but they're still telling good stories and I think it's cool, you know, and so, um, but I, but I do think it is good to have those those uh, references, and that's why I, I feel like religion is such a not the greatest word to use when it comes to next generation. I don't I don't know that I found the word spiritual, cultural tenets, personal tenets of whatever you know in TNG. But I think it's kind of maybe what we've tackled today. So, but any uh, Darren, you have any closing thoughts here? I think just to reiterate, kind of the underlying uh, one of the underlying things we spoke of is just like you said, Philip. It, there weren't a lot of one-to-one comparisons in next gen, but like I said, when talking about data, it's the subtle moments where you're getting to the heart of what people believe, be it a cause, be it a way of life, a way of thinking, a way of behavior. And a lot of those components, you know, are work themselves into, I guess, organized religion air quotes on my pad but you know i think that those are the best moments in star trek is when things like that are subtly woven in and spoken on not so much you know let's put the devil on trial (laughs) Uh, well quote unquote religion is not the only thing we've been talking about this week here's what else you may have missed this week on trek fm previously on trek.fm the Ready Room. You know, Star Trek All Axios gives you a great acronym, though. STAR! STAR, yeah. Yes. <laughs> STAR! <laughs> yeah, the upward <laughs> angle on the... Yeah, totally get it. The Orb. I don't know if obsessive love is really love, because it's... I, I, I think it's more about possession. Yeah, and for yeah. Ducat she's a possession of his not really a relationship of his the 602 club but yeah evan peters has way too much fun with this character i mean he's really embracing it really embracing it and just always brings a smile to my face when i see him saturday morning trek The 30 seconds that we spent on Scotty singing probably could have been used with a really fun, uh, why are all these women in in security uniforms standing around us? Rather than just, you're more handsome than ever. Yeah, (laughs) what was that about? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network at Trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This week of World Grey is brought to you by Audible.com. This is a great way for you to read all of the books you want to read but never have time for. Audible is always expanding with over 150,000 titles to choose from. There are classics, current bestsellers, and famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation. Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to try out Audible yourself. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. To support Trek FM, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek.fm. At patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek.fm patron. You'll be inside the observation lounge of our network, able to participate in our monthly patron roundtable podcasts, and supporting the production of all of our great content. We would like to take this moment to thank our current patron associate producers, Stephen Boyd and Ron Sarna. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference, found through the Facebook search field, or like the facebook.com slash trekfm page for show updates and announcements. The network is also on Twitter, at trekfm. All right, Darren, when you're not um, telling us when Minsaka is coming, where can people find you? <laughs> it's Corgano. Corgano is coming. No. Masaka's already here. She's table for one right over there. No, uh, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi, D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And Daniel, if people want you to answer the question of who actually does watch The Watchers, where can people find you? Well, I've got to tell you, Philip, it's an infinite regression. So technically, nobody ever ends up watching The Watchers. Listen, it doesn't matter. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at one up Dan. That's the number one, not the word. All right. And if people want to talk to me about really the separate episode I'll do personally about the Edo and justice, <laughs> um, they can find me on Twitter as well at NC public servant. That's NC or no kidding with a C. I will talk <laughs> to you about justice. <laughs> kidding spelled with a K. Look, my spiritual belief, Darren, is that kidding is spelled with a C. Where's the tolerance? All right. Well, guys, I, I'm really going to go rewatch uh, Rightful Air. I think that that's actually seems like there was a lot more than I thought about that when I mentioned that. So until next week, make it so. Engage. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.